What a fun day so far. Has it not been an incredible Sunday so far? So much fun. I love doing baby dedications as a, as a church family. I actually started, my start in church ministry on staff was in kids ministry at Antioch in Waco. And it was, it's been such a fun ride for me. And, and baby dedications have always been one of my favorite parts. Because not only are our families having a sweet moment, but our church gets to have a moment together, which I love. And now my wife and I serve here at Antioch, like Alyssa said, as our college pastors. Shout out to all of our college students out there. Love you guys. So glad that y'all are here and even sneaking in before you head off for uh, Thanksgiving break. But I have one more job responsibility here at Antioch Austin, and it's maybe my favorite job title because it's self-proclaimed. And that's I call myself the pastor of fun. That I like to keep our culture fun. I like to, uh, to keep you guys on your toes and keep our staff having a blast. And today, one of my pastor of fun duties is to carry on a tradition that we have done for many years here. And that is giving out a golden hammy. There you go. So for those of you who don't know, we have a tradition in our church where we give out golden hammers to people who give their lives to build the church. People that just give that extra ounce to say, you know what, we're going to lay our lives down. We're going to build the church. And today I have the privilege of giving a golden hammer to none other than Ben and Emily Hopkins. Where are you guys? Are they still in here? There they are. Come on up here. Get up here on stage. Get to your feet. Let's give them a, a standing ovation. They deserve it more than I do. Love you guys. So they're getting the second ever golden sledgehammer. I'm going to pass this off here. Now, you may have noticed them. They actually dedicated their two kiddos today. And, and we picked these guys for a thousand reasons. First, of all, first off, you may notice it by just their, their muscles and their great smiles under the mask. That They lead our safety team here at Antioch Austin. And some of you may be like, we didn't even know we had a safety team. Exactly, because you feel so safe, right? So they, they, not only do they lead our safety team, they actually came to our staff a couple years ago and asked, hey, we see a need in the church. Can we actually step into building a team and leading out here and making sure that our church is safe and welcoming for people to come into? So for the last couple years, not only have they done that, they've led a life group on and off. They've carried our culture and just been the type of person that we want every single person in our church to be like, that owns the church owns their faith. And not only that, but they did all of that through the season of adopting their two kids. Like, mind blow that not only are, are their personal lives full and going, but they're giving their lives to the church, laying it down. So can we give one last round of applause for Ben and Emily Hopkins? There you go. They deserve it. Tonight, today is their last service with us as they're moving, but you guys take that golden hammer, remember your family here, and I, I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. The, the thing that his son told me this morning was, my daddy is strong, so he can carry the sledgehammer. Let's give it up for him as they head back to their seats. Love you guys. You're amazing. Love you guys. Wow, such a special moment. I love our church, you guys. I love being a part of this family. And there's a phrase that we use all the time. In fact, we talked about it in our manifesto series that honor is our language. That we never want to miss a moment to give honor where honor is due. It's been our language for the last few years. Honor is our language today, and it will be for the next 50. So before I miss a moment, I've got to honor one more couple. Is that okay with you guys? Can I do that? Okay, thank you. Thank you. So today I want to make sure we honor a couple that's very, very special to us, our lead pastors, J.D. and Liz Griffin. Can we give a round of applause for them? Liz on the front row here. 
They are well, well worthy of honor. And anytime I'm given the opportunity to be on stage, I'm going to abuse that opportunity to honor them, even though they tell me to stay on track. I'm going to take the opportunity when I can get it. Guys, they have laid their lives down for you this year. They have, yeah, there you go. Keep clapping. It's worth it. It has been a wild year for all of us, but for the church to, to negotiate through these, these crazy terms of years, J.D. and Liz have carried us, they've prayed for us, they've led us fearlessly, and often with scars to their own selves. And I just want to say, Liz is here today, J.D. started his Thanksgiving break today, but we need to flood them with honor today. So send them text messages, mail them fruit and candy, like do, send letters up to the office, like you can get our address, mail them a letter. Hey, maybe someone can even spray paint a jackhammer because they have built this church, send it to their house. They are well worthy of honor. So just one more time, I know your hands are getting tired, but can we honor them? I'm so thankful for these guys. They, they deserve all the honor they can get. They deserve all the joy and praise and thanks we can give them. Hey, well, church is fun. We're going to have some fun today. I'm going to carry that through the rest of today. But I want to just read this verse for us. That This is going to be our foundation as we jump into our sermon today. It says from Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. We're going to keep that with us as we go through today. But will you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you are with us. Lord, I thank you for the joy of coming together for church. Lord, I thank you that this room is family, that it's not just a bunch of individuals scattered about the city and around suburbs. Lord, it's not just about people that coming to sing songs or hear, hear some guy talk on stage. But Jesus, it's about family that loves you and rallying together. And Lord, I just pray that today, Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, as we open your word, would you open our eyes? Lord, thank you that you say your word is, is living and active. Lord, I just pray that as we get time to dialogue together and lean into what you're saying, God, would you stir something in our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, well, have you ever missed a moment because it just seemed like the wrong time and place? You know, when you look back, it's like, oh, of course, that's what was going on, or like, that was the significance of that, or that's why that was funny. But in the moment, it's like, like right over your head, you just missed a moment. Anybody else or just me? Okay, I have had quite a few of these, but specifically my senior year of college, I had one of these moments, and I want to take you guys into it here. So my, my college years, I had a lot of goals and aspirations, but one of the biggest ones that I had was to win an intramural sport. I'm a competitive guy, and I just thought, you know what? I've got four years to do this, and so many sports I can try. I just want to win one intramural sport. And throughout my, my years, I came pretty close. I got to the semifinals of dodgeball. I got to the semifinals of soccer. I got to the semifinals of volleyball, but I never quite pushed it over to the finals till my last semester at Baylor, my flag football team made it to the finals. And they, uh, there you go, amen to that. Like we finally made it to the finals and we've got a chance at winning this thing and fulfilling my college dream like weeks before I graduated. So we get to the final game, and, and one thing to know about me is I grew up playing the real football, like soccer, with your actual feet. I did not grow up playing football, what we Americans call it. So my team is like, well, this guy's, you know, kind of tall, kind of athletic. Let's put him on the defensive line. You know, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll play my part. I'll be a part of the team. If I'm defensive line, I'm going all out for the defensive line. Like, I'm going to be like J.J. Watt, you know? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, the people will fear me, like, type deal. I'm intense, y'all. I'm, I'm a competitor. So... We start playing the, the final game, and our team is doing nothing. We can't complete a pass. We can't get a first down. And I'm like, guys, 
come on, like, we got to do this. And every time I'm on the field, I'm like, I'm giving it my all. In fact, like, one of the first series, I got a safety, which some of you are like, I have no clue what that means. It's where the defense actually gets points for the offense. And I'm like, I'm killing it. I'm playing well. And our team is just slowly doing worse and worse on offense. Now, for some of you, that may result in you being like, okay, well, I'm just going to, like, try a little less hard because it's like, oh, it's like, you know, we're probably going to lose, may as well not give it my all. For me, I ratchet up the competitive nature. I'm like, okay, well, if y'all aren't going to go all in, I'm going all in. So I start playing a little more intense, you know, running a little harder, jumping a little further. And, and we get to this point in, in the second half where it's fourth down for the other team. And I'm, I'm lining up and they, they snap it and I run around the line and I dive and I catch my pinky finger on the quarterback's hip trying to pull his flag. It was flag football. And my pinky just slaps to the side of my hand. Now, I didn't even think twice about it because he made an incomplete pass. So I get up like, yeah, that's right, son. Like, and then I look down and my hand is like swelling and like I'm in, in extreme pain. And I actually remember one of my teammates looked at me and he goes, you're not quitting, are you? I was like, no, my finger just hurts. Like, I stopped him. Didn't you see that? So I, I, I go off the field kind of like pumped, like, yeah, we made a stop. We're still in this. And, and right about then... My wife, Emily, if you haven't gotten the chance to meet her, she's incredible. She keeps not only our family together, but our whole church together. Um, she comes up to me uh, on the sideline, and she'd been studying for a final. It was right about this time, actually, uh, a couple years ago. And she comes up to me after studying for a final, and, and she's like, she comes up to me. And I come off the field, like, so frustrated, like, in pain, like, pacing back and forth. Like, come on, guys, make a complete pass. We got this. And Emily comes up to me. And her happy little demeanor and goes, babe, I want a blender. <laughs> and I, I look at her and I'm like, it, it's something, it doesn't even register in my mind. I look at her and I'm like, do you see my hand right now? Do you see that I, I have mud on my face and I'm sweating head to toe? Like do, now is not the time to be happy. Why are you smiling, right? I just like, I have this response. And, and we go out to the game, and unfortunately, my dream was never fulfilled. We, I thank you, back row. Morning with me. If you ever want to make an, inter, an adult intramural team, and you want an over-competitive person on your team, give me a call. I'll gladly give it a run as an adult here. But come to find out after the game, I, I go over to Emily, and I actually, I apologize for how rude I was also for losing the game. I just was a little frustrated. And I go up to her and I start asking her questions about it on the way home. And, and come to find out, she had, while she was kind of studying for her finals, seen an Instagram competition pop up on her phone. That there was this competition that this person was doing online that they were going to take four winners to win these like kitchen appliances. The, and, and, and so Emily enters into this competition. It was about Thanksgiving time. So the way that it worked is you just wrote, what's something you're, you're thankful for? And Emily wrote an incredible response. And actually out of 5,000 entries, over 5,000 entries, Emily was the first one picked of the four winners. I'm like, that's a shout out right there. Emily, her thankfulness, I could preach a whole different sermon on her thankfulness, taking her there, but I'm not going to. Not today. Thanksgiving's on Thursday. We'll get there. But Come to find out, this isn't like any rinky-dink blender. Like, it's, if you bought a blender like at Walmart or H-E-B, like, that is good for you. But we won a $700 blender. The, yeah, right? The, literally, the engine is more powerful than my lawnmower. Like, when you turn it on, our house shakes because it's like mixing. Like, literally, this thing, it can take cold vegetables and make soup. Like, we're talking like top-of-the-line 
blender. And now, now I laugh as I look back at it. I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Like, I totally missed this moment with my wife to celebrate, to be joyful. In fact, I was rude and had to apologize that I like totally blew her off. Um, later, we found out my finger was broken, so she also felt bad, and she missed a moment, right, um, to comfort me. Uh, but that was two days later, so again, different story for another time. But I just started to realize, like, man, I blew it. Like, I, because I, just because I didn't expect it in the moment, I totally missed an opportunity to be present with my wife, to, to love her, to celebrate with her. And it was all because my focus was on something else. My focus was set on this game. My focus was set on this three-and-a-half-year goal that I had had to win an intramural sport. That my focus was so locked in that I had missed a moment until I looked back on it. I looked back and I see it and I, and I can celebrate and I tell it in front of you guys as a hilarious story, but in the moment I, I totally missed it because it wasn't until I was able to reflect that I actually saw the value of the moment. And I think all of us can relate to this feeling of not really understanding what's going on in the moment. Maybe for you it wasn't flag football, maybe for some of you it was, but maybe it's, it's you parents missing a moment while, during homeschool. There's something really sweet happened with your kids, but, but you were busy, you know, taking care of dinner. Or you, were, you were busy taking care of another kid or, or literally just trying to get the Zoom link back up. I know that one's relatable. Or maybe, honestly, you were just frustrated with them and you just missed a moment, a really sweet moment with your kids. Maybe you roommates missed a moment to celebrate a milestone or, or a past test or a, a new dating relationship because you just, you just weren't feeling it right then. Like, life, it just wasn't what was on your focus. And I think... A lot of us can relate to that in 2020. This year has like been the year of disappointments, like the year of time after time, our, our focus being on things that have been challenging that I think so many of us can admit that we, if we looked back, we would see so many moments that we missed just because our focus was so on the things that were in front of us. And I think honestly, for, for most of us, if you're like me, you've probably missed more moments like this this year than ever before. That it's been like, man, we're so wrapped up in, in the pain and the confusion and the, and the lost jobs and the other things going on that it can be so easy to just miss the little things that Jesus has put in front of us. And, and today, what I want to do is <clears throat> I want to jump into a story <clears throat> when the disciples missed out on something that was actually going on around them. Where Jesus' closest friends, the people that had been following him for years, missed a moment with him. Because their focus was on something else. Because they had, they had seen something else that was going on around them and they totally missed a moment with Jesus. And I want to I see if we can learn from this together because I really think that as we jump into the scriptures, as we jump into the word of God, we can learn so, so much together. And I love, I love being a Christian. I don't know about you guys. I love following Jesus. Uh, I think sometimes that goes without saying, but it's worth saying. I love following Jesus, and one of the reasons I love it is because he gave us an instruction manual for life. He gave us something, thank you for the amen from the back, it's true that he gave us the scripture, he gave us this book as a guide route, as a place for us to know, hey, these are our, our ways to live. 
And I love that no matter what we're going through, we've got something to come back to. And if you're not a Bible reader or, or, or maybe you haven't been up to this point, I'd encourage you, man, get, just start somewhere. Start reading the Bible because it's, it's our way for life. And actually, if you don't have a Bible, I love to say this when I'm preaching, our team has Bibles out in the back for you. So after the service, go to the Get Connected space. If you're online, drop us a message in the chat. We would love to make sure that you have a Bible because this is what Jesus gave us to live by. It's so worth reading together. And just quick shout out if you're online, shout me out in the chat because I'm going to go back and look at it later. And I, I love seeing how you guys are participating. If you didn't know, we've got a ton of online viewers. And actually, we've got people who started coming to our church online during the pandemic that over the last few weeks have showed up and for the first time come in person that have been going to our church for like six months. I'm like, that is so cool. I think... Some of us didn't know that. It's worth sharing that we've had people join our church in this season. So good. Okay, I digress. We're going to jump into the Bible together. And we're going to read together through a chapter in Luke, Luke 24. So if you've got your Bible here with you, you can flip there. I think there's so much power in just reading along in in your paper Bible that you've got or your phone. The scriptures are going to be behind me here as well. You're welcome to follow around there. But for context, the disciples have been through a week that I think a lot of us would agree feels like 2020. They've been through a a really, really rough week of pain, confusion, anxiety, emotions up and down on every side. They didn't know who they could trust, that, that a lot of the things the disciples are feeling as we get into Luke 24 here is what our society and even our church is dealing with. Jesus had just died on the cross a few days earlier. He'd been in the grave for three days. And their emotions and the difficulties that we can so easily focus on are just running rampant around them. Many of them are maybe questioning, like, what, was this Jesus guy the right one? Like, was he the one we were supposed to be following? Many of them are mourning the loss of a close friend. Can we relate to any of these things this year, right? So relevant. They've got people slandering their character, They're going through persecution and suffering. The disciples coming into what we're about to read have been through the ringer. And we're going to read a lot of scripture today, and that's on purpose. It's not an accident, but I don't want you to get bored, so read along with me. I'm going to try to have good inflection here so that you stay awake. But we're going to read a lot of scripture, and you you guys truck in there with me because this is such a good story. We're going to start in verse 13 for those of you reading along in your Bible. It says, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. And while they're talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Anyone feel like it's been hard to recognize Jesus in this season? It's been so easy to just truck down the road, go on the things that are going on, And I think especially in hardship, I can put myself where the disciples are of like, oh, okay, like we're just trying to get to the, from point A to point B in this crazy season. And I think a lot of times when I read the scripture, I think of myself as like this great godly guy of like, well, I would have done that differently, right? If I were walking with Jesus, I would have recognized him. Like we've been friends for three years, like, right? They're like, I a lot of times can put myself in the like, well, I am a super Christian, but like, let's just for a moment, even if that is you, bring yourself down a little bit, put yourself in the disciples' shoes, put yourself in the pain that they'd been in. And as we keep reading this story, I want you to think about it through their lens, the pain they've been through, the journey that they're on. 
and they're discussing this pain. It talks about how they're discussing the things that are going on together. They're discussing their pain. They're discussing this conversation of what's been happening. And I've had that conversation a lot recently. Of like, hey, what, are you, what are you feeling? In fact, my neighbor yesterday came over to me. How are you doing with the coronavirus? It's just a normal thing that we get in these conversations. And this is where we find the disciples in Luke 24. Let's keep reading in verse 17. He said to them, this is Jesus, what's this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, I love this response. Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened these days? He's like, are you an idiot? Like, did, open your eyes. And he said to them, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how, our, uh, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. And we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And yes, besides all this, now it's the third day since this has happened. And moreover, some of the women in our company have amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and they did not find his body. They came back saying that uh, they had even seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Now, of those who were with us, went, now some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but he they did not see. I love how this disciple is just like shooting it as it is. He's like, look, we're all sorts of confused. Like, we, 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 we were following this guy, and, and now we're not, and this Jesus guy was supposed to be the Savior, but now he's dead, and then the, we, had, we knew where his body was, and then all of a sudden it's gone, and there's these angels, and we went there too, but we didn't see the angels, right? He's just like so confused, and he's telling Jesus this story, basically, of how they put their hope in something, and they're like, we just don't know if we can hope in that anymore. We don't know what's going on. That, and I've had a lot of these conversations as well recently. I don't know about you, of just conversations of loss, of like, man, another one of my friends just got diagnosed with cancer. Another one of my, my couple friends is, is thinking about getting a divorce. Another student just had to drop a class because of sickness. It's just these things after things after things of, of these conversations of just the loss and pain and confusion of reality right now. And remember, in the disciples' eyes, they're just with this random traveler. They're just venting of like, hey, this is you don't know what's going on. Listen to all this craziness. But something was about to change their view of the season. And I want to keep reading together in verse 25. It says, and he said to them, this is Jesus, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Dang, I wish I could have been in this conversation. Like Jesus himself revealing every prophecy about himself through the entire scripture. That would have been a great one to be in, but let's finish it here. The disciples still don't get it. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going to go further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is toward evening and day is now far spent. So they went to stay with him and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight and they said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road and as he opened the scriptures? 
All of a sudden, they have a perspective shift. Let's finish this section here. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, the disciples that were closest to Jesus, um, those, and those who were gathered with them, and saying, the Lord has risen indeed and appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Guys, they finally got it. It took them a couple moments. It took them some time, but they finally got it. It was Jesus that was walking with them. Not just that, he was actually helping them understand the pain that they were going through. Jesus was revealing to them like, hey, this difficulty, this is why this had to happen, but here's where we are. Jesus is not just with them, but he's reasoning with them, explaining what's going on. And the disciples had this like realization moment when he starts to break the bread that, oh my gosh, This is Jesus. But again, let's put ourselves in the disciples' shoes. Where has he walked with you in your pain this season? Where has he been with you this season? So we see the disciples, the two that are walking with him, are so fixated on what's going on. They're so fixated on their troubles, on the pain of the moment, on the journey that they're in, that they didn't recognize that Jesus, the very one that they were hoping in, was walking right next to them. And I think for so many of us this year, we've had such a similar experience, maybe in in losing a job or losing an internship opportunity or a career path that you thought was developing in front of you, maybe losing loved ones, maybe losing weddings and celebrations that were going to happen this year, or or marriages going through hardship or or friendships that, that are falling apart and crumbling because you can't be together. But the hope that the disciples reveal to us is that on looking back, we can see where he's been with us. We can see where he's been with us all along. And my my hope for us is that in this season, we would have moments where we stop and we say, did our hearts not burn within us in this moment where he was with me all along, just as the disciples did? And for many of us, actually, this week is such an incredible week for us to enter into this place. That for a lot of us, we've got time off work. Maybe you've got a holiday, even if it's just a day or two. You've got a little bit more space this week. Maybe your family's home from school, or maybe your homeschool is just off so you don't have to worry about Zoom, or maybe you're going to drive to see family, or maybe some of you will just stay home. But either way, this is a week that allows us a little bit more breathing room. And this week, I want to encourage us to do what the disciples did, which is to create and have a moment where we go, aha, there you were. You were right there with me. Just as Jesus had that moment with them in breaking bread. And my challenge for you is this, that we would take time this week. That I know some of you are like, I come to church to get what I need today, and then tomorrow I'm going to go home. But no, no, no. Like with this week, with this passage of scripture affect us? What as we see what the disciples did, would it shift our thinking for the week? And I want to encourage you guys to do something with me. Can you do that? Can you guys participate with me throughout the week? It's going to be a fun one. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to challenge you to do something. Really simply, it's take a piece of paper. If it's not a piece of paper, maybe a journal. If it's not a journal, maybe a spouse or a roommate or a parent. But what I want you to do is answer these two questions. If you've got a pen and paper, you can write them down. They're going to be on the screen. You can take a picture of them. I'll try to be like smiling in your picture. Those of you online, just screenshot it. We're going to have some questions for you here. But the first is, what's been hard about this year? 
You see, the disciples had a moment of identifying what had been hard in their year. They identified, we, we lost Jesus, we're confused, there's been this pain, all right? They were able to identify what's been going on. They were like, Jesus' death has been hard for us. And maybe for you, there are a lot of things on that list, right? Maybe it's like, I lost my job, we can't get pregnant, we lost our closest friends, we had to move away from community, whatever it is. Maybe your list is long, that's fine, but just identify, what is it? For you, what's been the hardship this year that's kept you focused on it? But don't just stop there because that would be a really terrible list to just look at, right? I feel like that's like 2020 to most of us. It's just like, here's my list. Like, I'm just going to look at it. But no, don't stop there. Question two is then to say, Jesus, where were you when fill in the blank was going on? When this was going on, when my job was being taken from me, when my friends were moving, when, when my parents went into lockdown and my, my kids couldn't see their grandparents, when, like, where were you when this was going on? Because the disciples had that moment with Jesus when they broke bread. They were like, oh my gosh, you were actually walking with me. You were on the road with me. Their eyes were opened. And my prayer is that as each of us do this simple act, It could take you five minutes. It could take you two minutes. But as each of us does this, that instead of our focus being on the moments of what's been going on, the pain, the hardship, that our focus would twist, it would turn, and it would be like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you've been with us. Oh my gosh, Jesus, you revealed how this was your plan all along. And I had one of these moments a couple years ago that I want to bring you guys into. This, this place where I had one of these same experiences. Like I mentioned earlier, when we were starting today, I started my time in ministry at Antioch in Waco, working with the kids' ministry. Love seeing kiddos in here makes me happy. Knowing the kids that are getting blessed in our Antioch kids' rooms are making me so thrilled. But I started working in kids' ministry, and one of the things that we would do is, is every year-ish, we would pull out together, get away, and we'd do an off-site. Just a time for us to kind of re-hone in, re-clarify on, hey, are we moving in the same direction? Is our vision where God has it for us? And in this particular offsite, this particular year, we were going to my manager's ranch, and um, her and her husband owned a ranch about 45 minutes out of town, and, and we were all pumped. We were going to get to ride horses at lunch, and like, it was going to be four-wheelers, like, the greatest offsite. It's like a little bit of work and a ton of play, you know, like, those are the best kind of offsites. So we were like all pumped to go out to the ranch for offsite. And so I, I'm driving and I get there about five, 10 minutes early, a little bit earlier than some of my coworkers. And as I'm sitting in front of the house, I get a call. The call had been one that I knew was coming eventually, but it really blindsided me in the moment. I got a call that my grandfather had passed away. Now, for those of you, which is most of you in the room, uh, my twin brother's here, so he knows my grandpa. Um, if you see somebody after the service that you don't recognize, but looks like me, it's my twin. Uh, some of you are like, you have a twin? Sorry, I digress. I do have a twin. But my grandpa had been the patriarch of our family, kind of the spiritual leader of our family. He'd led us through decades of following Jesus and, and had been such a faithful, faith-filled man that left a really, really powerful legacy of following Jesus. In fact, so much so that when his funeral happened a few days later, there were people that hadn't seen him in over 40 years that came and spoke at his funeral and spoke at his graveside that said, had I not met Howard Weibel, I don't know that I would be where I am today. And 40 years later, without ever interacting with him, they came because they heard that he was there. He, he just was this godly, godly man. And I, 
honestly look up to him as maybe the godliest man I've ever known, as a hero of mine. In fact, I get to wear his, his wedding ring. He passed about six months before I got married, 72 years of marriage to my grandma. It's a very special thing for me. But my, so I take you into that to know that this was a sad moment for me. That I'm, I'm mourning as I'm in the car of like, do I really have to go into this offsite? Do I really have to go into, like, I just want to stay here and just be sad and like miss him and, and miss what's, what's going to be missed in his life and honor him. And, and as I go in, I, I kind of pull my boss aside and I share with her. Thankfully, our plan was to start with worship. So we worship for 30 minutes to start. And I can just remember I went and sat behind a couch and I just cried for 30 minutes. Just, God, like, why could I not have been there? Why now? Why, how do I honor him? Just like all the questions coming, flooding my mind. I was so just lost in what was going on. And honestly, that whole day, it was hard to focus, as you can maybe expect that it would be. But just my focus was on just this great loss that I had had. My focus was on like this, this oh, I'm going to miss him. Like, what's my grandma going to do? What's my family going to do on Christmas? Just all the questions that start to come up. How can I live a life worthy of just honoring the way that he lived? And just all these questions are flooding my mind all day, and it's so hard to focus. But I just kind of like pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm like, I got to keep going. I got to make it through. Honestly, if it was in Waco, I probably would have gone home, but we were out of town, so I stayed there. And one of the things we would do each time we had offsite together is we would just look at our vision statement. We'd say, hey, is this what God has for us? Are we, are we, are we on the right angle? Are we on the right path? And for this moment, we started praying together and and for years, we had talked about how we wanted kids to be disciples of Christ, right? We want them to be not just followers of a leader in a classroom, but a follower of Jesus, like a follower of him as our Lord and Savior and, and the way he chose to live and the way he showed us in the Bible. And so it's always been a part of who we are. But as we started to collaborate, this phrase came out that became our rallying cry. That was that Antioch kids exist to empower children to be lifelong disciples of Christ, and we came up with it and we pushed on through the day and I went home and honestly just tried to block the offside out of my memory. Like, that was tough. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to be around that. Fast forward to a couple years ago, some of our elders in the room, Krishna and Shankri, Dure Raj, they're actually here with us today. I'm, I'm doing freedom prayer with them. If you've never heard of freedom prayer, it's just a moment where someone can walk with you through talking to God. It's so powerful. And I encourage, even if you feel like you're at the best place you've ever been, to sign up for Freedom Prayer, it'll change your life. But so I was sitting down with them at their house doing Freedom Prayer and, and God brought up this moment in my heart of like, hey, you haven't thought about when your grandpa passed away in a while. I hadn't uh, intentionally. I'd kind of blocked it out of my memory. And they coached me to ask this same question that we're all gonna ask this week, which was, God, where were you in fill in the blank? So I asked him, God, where were you on the day that my grandpa passed? Where were you on this hard day? Where were you like in the midst of this? And I had this aha moment where I realized something for the first time. We had always said we wanted our kids to be disciples of Christ, but for some reason, because of my grandpa's passing, longevity of faith was on my mind. It was deep in because I wanted to honor him. I wanted to live like him. That there was just this, this weight on me of like, we've got to live for the long haul for Jesus. And out of that, this rally Christ came out that we would be lifelong followers of Jesus. And if you walk in our kids' hallways, it says that on the wall. 
that we're going to raise lifelong disciples of Christ. And in this moment, there was so much pain for me and so much heartache and so much difficulty, all of a sudden became this sweet moment of, God, you used it. Jesus, you were, you were actually there guiding my thoughts through this. And now it's our rallying cry. For the last five years, actually, in Antioch, Waco, and now here for the last four years in Antioch, Austin, and even in my own heart, it's been a rallying cry. We don't want just people that are going to have a blip on the radar of following Jesus, but would they make lifelong discipleship decisions? And I just had this moment with Jesus of being like, Jesus, wow, you used it. You used the most painful moment I'd had in a long time, and you were there. You were with me, that just like the disciples, he broke the bread and, and they had this like, oh my gosh, he was with us. Jesus did that with me. You see, I, I had missed the moment, just like we have talked about with my flag football or the disciples, that I had missed the moment. I had just leaned in on my pain, I had leaned in on my hardship, and I didn't realize what he was doing. Thankfully, Jesus still did something. And it wasn't until years, three, four, five years later, that finally God clicked it in my mind of, I was there, right there with you. And I want to come back to Psalm 46, the verse that we started with in Psalm 46, 1, it says that God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble, that I learned that this verse, I learned what it meant that day, that he was very present. He was very present with me. And that's his promise. And in fact, Jesus said himself, his words in Matthew 28, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. His promise is to be with us. And our role isn't to convince him to show up. I think a lot of times as a, as a believer, I, I try to do that. of like, well, I'm just gonna pray that like, Jesus, it's your turn to show up now. Like, I'm having a hard time. Like, you better come now. I, be, I need you this time or I'm gonna fall apart, right? That our job is not to, to convince Jesus to show up. It's just to lift our eyes and see that he's there with us. It's to, to have that moment that the disciples had where they're like, oh, did our hearts not burn within us? He was right here. And why don't we all stand together? I wanna just take a, a moment for us to respond. This week, we're gonna have a time to lean in personally and ask those questions with God. But I think some of us need the reminder today that he's right here with you. It's not, you don't have to wait till life gets worse to turn around and realize where he was. But the disciples actually in this story that we read, if you keep reading, Jesus comes in with them into a meal that they're having. And they just look up and he's right there and they relish in this moment of being with Jesus. And I just, we're gonna sing a song. We're gonna have a, about a minute or two of just being here with Jesus. But my encouragement to you is if, if you've been through that, that, that year of loss, of pain, of confusion, of, of just difficulty all around, you're not alone. And today we're gonna worship. And my, my challenge, my invitation to you is just lift your eyes up, see Jesus in the midst of it.